We've been examining the response of God to the prayer of Solomon. And in this prayer, of course, Solomon has requested that God forgive his people when they fell into sin and that he would restore their blessings that had been lost because of their sin. And God promises to hear that prayer if his people humbled themselves, prayed, sought his face, and turned from their wicked ways. And when those conditions were met, God promised that he would hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now notice as we come here to this final uh, episode on Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. In this particular passage that we are looking at today, God promises not only to forgive, but also to heal the land when his people came to him, seeking his face with a willingness to turn from their wicked ways. And so today in this episode, we want to take just a moment to look at these final two promises of God as found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Now, the first of the last two promises that we want to look at here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 is that God would forgive his people. Now, from the very beginning, this was the request of Solomon that when his people had sinned against God and God had shut up the heavens, that he would hear their prayer and that he would forgive their sin. That was the great need of God's people. It was sin that had separated them from his blessings and heaven was, was shut up to them so that there was no rain on their land. And the reason why heaven was shut was because his people had turned on God. Now, there's an important issue that I want to deal with here as we look at this question of forgiveness. As we look at this, let's consider first Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. And here we read the words of Jesus. And Jesus says there in Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus tells his disciples here that if they did not forgive others, then the Father would not forgive them. Now, Jesus is speaking here to his disciples when he says this. Consider also what John the Apostle says about forgiveness in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. He says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Notice what John tells us. John tells us that if we say we have not sinned, we are lying and that we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
In other words, we have all sinned. And, and if we, need to, we want to be forgiven, according to John, he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So what we see here in these passages, in both Jesus and John, is that both of them seem to be putting a condition on forgiveness. Jesus tells us that we need forgiveness, but that if we want to be forgiven, we will need to forgive others or else God will not forgive us. John is telling us that we need to confess our sin and recognize that we have sinned if we want God to forgive us. Now, if Jesus came to forgive our sins and his death covers all of our sin, why are there sins that are not yet forgiven in our lives? Now, I've met believers who refuse to ask forgiveness for their sin because they believe that they are already forgiven at the cross. And, and, and if they asked for forgiveness for current sins, they would be saying that the cross did not already cover those sins. So they feel and they live as if there is no need of forgiveness because it is all taken care of at the cross and they never have to ask for forgiveness again. But the question is this, how do we reconcile the fact that Jesus tells us that God will not forgive our sins as believers if we do not forgive others with the fact that he died to forgive all sin? That's the challenge for us as we consider this matter of forgiveness. Now, in order to explain that, I want us to take a moment to look at a passage found in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, the apostle describes how Jesus uh, got down on one occasion and took a basin and towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. And as Peter's turn came, Peter looked at the Lord and, and resisted this. He believed that, that Jesus should not have had to lower himself to washing his feet. And and Jesus explains to him that unless he washed his feet, Peter could have no part of him. And of course, the washing of Peter's feet was a, was a symbol of what the Lord Jesus was going to do for him at the cross. Jesus would lower himself to become a servant. And as a servant, he would wash away the dirt of sin by laying his life down on the cross for, for Peter. Now, Peter, not quite understanding what Jesus was saying, says to him, Simon Peter said to him in John 13 and verse 9, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now, notice the response of Jesus to this request of Peter. Jesus said to him in John 13 and verse 10, The one who has bathed himself does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Jesus told Peter that day that when a person was clean, all they needed to do was wash their feet. Now, consider this in the context in which Jesus spoke. Imagine that you are living in Jerusalem at the time, and, and your friend invites you to his home for a meal. And so in preparation for that meal, you bathe yourself and you put on clean clothes and you leave your home and 
and head for your friend's house. And as you walk to your friend's home on the dusty streets of Jerusalem, you you find that you are, when you arrive, greeted by a servant who carries a basin of water and a towel. And you sit down and the servant kneels down in front of you and takes that basin and he rinses your feet and washes the dirt from your feet that you have accumulated through walking on the streets of Jerusalem. And when he has completed and wiped your feet with his towel, you are again completely clean. You don't need to take another bath when you arrive at your friend's house. All you need is to clean your feet. Now, what does this illustration of Jesus tell us? It shows us that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the legal penalty for our sin has been paid in full. Sin no longer will keep us from eternal life in the presence of the Father. We have been declared cleaned by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been bathed in his blood and cleansed from the stain of sin. We are clean. Now, while we have been cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ and the penalty for our sin has been paid, you and I, still walk on the dirty streets of Jerusalem. We walk in a sinful world in flesh that is still prone to wander. And as the Apostle John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's speaking here even to believers, that believers can still sin. Not one of us does not sin or fall short, even as believers. And, And we say things that we should not say. Who among us has not done that? We have attitudes that that need to be corrected. We have left undone many things that should have been done. And, And we have fallen short of the standard of God for our lives. So we have been forgiven and cleansed and declared right before God. We have still fallen short, and we still sin. And just as no one could walk in the dusty streets of Jerusalem without having to wash their feet, so none of us will walk through the sinful world without getting our feet, our minds, our hearts dirty and and falling into sin in one way or another. While we who know the Lord have had the penalty for our sins paid, we still sin. And we will often have to come to the Lord for a spiritual foot washing. We'll need to come to him and confess our our failures. And while our salvation is secure and our relationship with God is assured, we have still failed him. And we do not, as believers, take that lightly. Now, when someone comes into your house with muddy boots... That person tracks dirt all through your house, wherever he or she goes. And what is true in that illustration is true in my spiritual walk as well. When I have a bad attitude, I infect others with that attitude. When I am not in control of my tongue, all who hear me are affected. I track that sin wherever I go, leaving behind my dirty tracks. And and sometimes that trail will cause others to fall. 
Now, what do I do as a believer who has been cleansed by Jesus Christ in his blood when I fall and when I fail him and when I realize that I have done so? Well, first, we come to him and we confess this and recognize what we have done. And we come to him and we ask him to pardon us. And we come to him to seek his strength to overcome the sin. And we come to him to ask for wisdom in knowing how to cleanse and clean up the mess that we have left behind and the trail of, of mud and dirt and sin that we have left behind. But there is one more thing that we do. Not only do we confess and ask for pardon and seek his strength to overcome and to clean up what we have left behind, but the other thing that we need to do is to give thanks to the Lord that this sin will not separate us from God, that this sin has been covered by the blood of Christ and that his blood assures me that my salvation with him is complete and that nothing can separate me from him. You see the wonderful promise of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 it, that there is that there is forgiveness and cleansing for all who will come to him cleansing from the defilement of our everyday failures. No matter what we have done, there is cleansing. Not only does the blood of Jesus Christ seal my eternal destiny from the moment of his death on, but it also pardons every failure and every shortcoming in my daily walk. There's one more thing that we need to see in this final section of 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, and that is the promise, not only of forgiveness, but also the promise of healing. Now, the question we ask ourselves is this, why do we need healing? Sin, of course, breaks our fellowship with God. Sin restricts his blessing in our church and in our personal lives. Sin closes up the heavens to us. Sin devastates our relationships with each other. And because God's blessings are removed as a result of sin, this will devastate our land. Second Chronicles chapter 7, we, we see that God shuts up the heaven and withholds the rain. And that, of course, has an effect on the crops and the animals of the land. Now, the thing is this, I believe that God wants us to experience the fullness of his blessing in our society and in our personal lives. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says this, If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It is the delight of the Father to give good gifts to his children. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says this in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared incredible things. 
And God is, is not a stingy God who holds back his blessings from us, but it delights his heart to pour out his favor upon his children. Paul tells us that even in our wildest imagination, we could never imagine what God has in store for those who love him. It is the desire of God to pour out his blessing. But here in this passage, it tells us that God will not only forgive us, but will also heal our land. And if this is the case, what keeps us from this healing in our land? Once again, it is sin. It is our land needs to be healed of the effects of sin. Now, some time ago, I was feeling a bit down many years ago, and I was wondering about the impact of the ministry of teaching and preaching the word. And I remember sitting in a coffee shop and reflecting on this when, when the Lord really clearly spoke to my heart. And I remember even the words that, that he put on my heart. And those words were this. Wayne, he says, there are problems in our society that science, politics, and medicine will never fix. These problems can only be solved by the word of God. That day, the Lord spoke powerfully to me. And I began to think about what would happen if people committed themselves to walking in the truth of God's word. Wouldn't relationships be healed? Wouldn't the needs of the poor be met? Wouldn't our society be transformed? Wouldn't our government be changed? Wouldn't our economy be uh, renewed? Wars would cease. If, if we walked in obedience to God's word and, and lived in complete obedience to his word, then everything would be transformed. Our society would not be in the situation it is today. Ultimately, the problem of our society is sin. Sin breaks up relationship. Sin causes crime. Sin is the reason why God's blessing is removed. We not only need to be forgiven for this sin, but the effects of sin has on our society need to be healed. The sickness in our land is a spiritual sickness. Solomon understood that when, when he cried out to God and said, God, when, when you withhold the rain, and when you close up the heavens, God, because of our sin, would you not forgive us? We can see how much damage has been caused in our own lives and in our own society because of sin. We need not only forgiveness, but we also need to see the effects of sin being healed in our land. And God promises here that not only will he give us forgiveness, but he will heal the effects of sin on our land. How incredibly great is the grace of God that not only forgives, but reaches down and puts the pieces together that we have rebelliously shattered on the ground. He, he reaches down and touches us and mends what we have ripped. He, he puts together what we have torn apart. He heals what we have made sick. This is the grace of God. 
not only to forgive, but to bring healing and restoration and renewal to relationships, to a walk with him, to the hurts and to the brokenness of our society. This is the great promise of God, forgiveness, but also healing of the brokenness in our society. Now, do we realize here that we have in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the solution to the problems of our society? And it's not a political solution. It's not a medical solution. It's not a scientific solution. Because the great need of our day is not medicine and science and politics or technology. The great need of our day is for forgiveness and healing from the effects of sin. And Satan has all too often blinded us to that reality. He's distracted us and caused us to think that if only I had just a little bit more money, things would be all right. If only the right political party would would be put into government, everything would be all right. But the fact of the matter is this, that the problem is much simpler than that. It's a problem of sin. Deal with the the sin. Make things right with God, and, and you will see the healing come. We have wandered from God's design, and we are suffering the result of that in our land. And what is true for our society and our nation is true for our personal lives. How much blessing we forfeit because we are unwilling to address the sin in our lives. How our relationship with God has been hindered because we do not take this matter of sin seriously. How much power has been stripped from us. How much testimony has been ruined. We live with the effects of sin all around us. And we have done so for so long that we don't even notice. But God has so much more for us. If we would only but humble ourselves and and recognize that we have fallen short. If only we would come to him and, and confess that sin. If only we would seek his face and let his face shine upon us and expose to us the, the, the failures and our shortcomings. If only we would commit ourselves to, to turning from every single wicked way that he reveals, that his face reveals. If only... God would come and God would forgive. But God would not only forgive. God would hear from heaven. He will forgive. But he will also bring tremendous healing to our land. This is the great cry of our hearts today. We need to see our youth healed. We need to see Uh, the people in our society, the relationship with God being healed. We need to see the brokenness being put back together. We need to see the relationships restored. We need to see God moving in incredible power. And God is now willing only to forgive. 
Forgiveness is only part of what he wants to do. He wants to reach beyond forgiveness and he wants to put back together the pieces. He wants to restore wholeness to your life. He wants to restore wholeness to our society. This is the purpose of God, forgiveness and and restoration and healing for our land. Oh, that we would take what God tells us in first and second chronicles chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14 seriously because we need what God promises forgiveness and healing of our land